You there, adventurer? Yes, you. Do you desire knowledge of immense worlds and arcane power? A codex of untold stories and lore? Or perhaps simply easy listening for your daily commute? Then feast your eyes, or more accurately, ears, upon Dungeonpedia. Shit's about to get nerdy in here. everyone, and welcome to Dungeonpedia, an exploration into the lore of Dungeons & Dragons. We're your hosts, Lou and Markel. Taylor Stanfield. And I'm Travis Beasley. And oh my god, guys, I'm so tired. Well, you know, that's, that's kind of what happens when we, go, when we go to bed at 5 and wake up at 1. Uh, I didn't mean to go to bed at 5. We should have went to bed much earlier. Yeah, we probably should have. Priorities, though. Priorities. I'm over here on the opposite end of the spectrum because I've pretty much been napping for most of the day, so... That sounds nice. Yeah, so I'm I'm primed and, primed and ready for this episode, which I think that hopefully the both of you are going to really enjoy because I was really enthused about, about this topic. Actually, since we first started talking about the podcast, I really, really wanted to cover this one day. But I wanted to kind of ease yourself into it. Yeah, I wanted to get a little more, a little more experience trying to do research and really like nail down my my methods. Hopefully, it'll help you. It'll wake you up. Well, um, knowing that, I am a little more excited now. A little more awake. You're not gonna cancel the podcast so that you can go back to sleep. No, no, I'll stay awake through this because that sounds interesting enough. Oh God, I would be willing to cancel the podcast so I can go dunk myself in a bath of aloe vera gel. Ooh, is your sunburn from the medieval bear still peeling? It is. It is advanced to a new stage of peeling. I look like I'm having dandruff from my back. All right, I'm going to bed now. Never mind. I'm sorry. I'll put my cardigan back on if it bothers you so much. It's not so much the image as much as the imagery used in your description, I think. <laughs> what, yeah. dandruff? Listen. Just shoulder dandruff? I don't know. It sounds funny and just weird. Like like imagining like the little snow, but it's all made out of skin. It's like, when you, it's like shaking your head uh, and the dandruff comes out, except I just like brush off my shoulders. Oh my God. Like the cartoons where the dandruff like piles up on their shoulder and then they like just salt? brush yeah. it off. That's the floor next to me. I'm sorry, you guys. This is absolutely disgusting. Yeah. But. Um, how about we uh, go ahead and get off of the sunburned shoulder dandruff topic. I just, I just need to let you guys know how much pain I'm in. Right now. You know, we have aloe if you need it. Maybe later. Uh, but for now, you mentioned being really excited about this topic. Yes, I I am very uh, excited. In a similar vein to what we discussed last week, this is another creature. Uh, well, I don't know if it's fair to call the Rakshasa creatures, because they're, they're sentient, they're intelligent, they have society. This is right. definitely a creature. Okay. But that has mythological origins. Though, oh my to be god, f- you're killing me. What is it? So to be fair, what I feel like so many monsters and also like sentient races and things like that really do find their inspiration in like mythology and folktales. Yeah, they really do. Like uh But this one is a very clean cut, like this yeah. is what this thing is. And this thing is called the Tarask. Have you ever heard have either of you ever heard of that? The say it again? Tarask. The Tarask? How do you yes. spell that? Okay. 
<laughs> a note on that in a minute. Oh. But what is in front of me right now is T-A-R-A-S-Q-U-E. It's oh, French. Okay. okay. Oh. It's Francais. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> En français. En français. I don't. I don't know if that's if correct. I'm just trusting any you. Viewers it is that speak French or live over there. I'm so sorry. I am sorry in I advance. I took three years of French, and I remember almost none of it. I do know that en français means in French. Okay, I'm trusting your three years of French because I was three years of Latin, which may actually benefit me one day. And I was two years of Spanish that I slept through, so I have no say <laughs> in this at all. There you go. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, so, first, I'm going to talk a little bit about the legend that this thing is from. Um, it appeared in the legend of St. Martha. I don't know if either of you know who she is. I uh, didn't. She's a saint. There you go. I mean, yes. St. Martha sounds familiar, but I'm assuming that's just because saint and Martha are yeah. very, like, common terms and a name. I mean, yeah. I might if I knew exactly what the patron saint, what patron saint she was, but, like... I, I I am not all up on my Catholic knowledge. <laughs> well, you know, funnily enough, for the the fact that I actually read about this legend, I didn't actually pay attention enough <laughs> to find out what she was the patron saint of. Because whatever. I was worried about the monster, not the not the woman. So this thing came from what now? Okay, so this this creature finds its origins. In in France. Oh, actually, I stand corrected. The legend originated in France. I didn't phrase that well. The legend originated in France, but the creature itself was said to have basically, I guess, been born in Galatia, which is in modern day Turkey, but was known as Galatia at the time. That's interesting. I have actually heard that term before. Okay. Um, so I've heard Galatia before, but... That's funny. I, I've heard a lot of uh, names and different... Empires of in Turkey, and but I've never actually heard Galatia. Like I've heard of the Ottoman Empire and yeah, that kind of thing. But hmm, Galatia. Mm, so this thing was the offspring. I don't know. Maybe having heard of Galatia, if you've heard of this, but this thing was the offspring of Onacus, which was a bison-like creature, but had scales, and it burned anything that it touched. Don't know huh. if you've heard of that. And the biblical Leviathan. Oh. Yeah. Whoa. So. What? Those things should not be something that has an offspring. And would you would you like to know what their offspring looks like? I um, mean, I'm a little frightened now, but yeah, I'm still going to ask. <laughs> so it, it was said to be a, a dragon. I don't know exactly why they classified it as a dragon based on everything else about its physiology. But it was a dragon-like creature with the body of an ox, the head of a lion... A turtle shell covering said ox-like body, six bear-like legs. So it kind of had that hunched over, very quadrupedal, right? Um, and the stinging tail of a scorpion. So that's what happens when you take a scaly bull and the biblical leviathan and make them fuck. As you get that, what the hell? I want to know where the fucking turtle shell came from. Sea creature? I don't know. Because, yeah. like, leviathans, as far as I'm aware, don't usually have shells. I actually want to know where the scorpion part came it, from. It's a little... Yeah. Because yeah. there's, there's, okay. no there's no invertebrate components that went into that soup, so I want to know where the tail comes from. That basically just sounds like, what are the scariest 
and deadliest creatures that we can combine into one form. Let's put them on one animal. Quick, quick, write that down. Write that down. I heard Mary got stung by a scorpion last week, and it hurt like a motherfucker. (laughs) So uh, some accounts say that this creature decimated the landscape at large, like it went rampaging, and others claim that it lived on the marshy banks of the Rhone River. Is that just pronounced Rhone? I'm not sure. I believe so. You know the river in question, though. Yes. Yeah. Um, where it killed passerby by drowning them. Um, Jesus Christ, what the hell is this thing? <laughs> terrifying. It's a beast. Well, I'm going to have nightmares. A I guess beast. I'm not going to sleep now. <laughs> well, when I tell you about the numbers on this thing later, you might have nightmares. Ooh. Um, so what happened with or this excitement. creature? More excitement. Yes. What happened with this creature? Um, the king of Nerluk. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce anything French, um, which was one of the areas where some accounts of the legend state that the Tarasque was based. Yeah. He sent knights with siege weapons after it, but they had no effect on this creature's like, because for one, it had a shell <clears throat> and also like a tough kind of hide. Right. So until St. Martha, who maybe this will ring a bell for some people, was the sister of Lazarus. Apparently, Lazarus oh, had a sister. I don't yeah, know. yes, yes, she did. Or he did. Fuck. I think, if I recall correctly, Lazarus' sister is the one who was praying for... Yeah, it yeah. said that she was present when Lazarus was resurrected. Yes. So anyway, St. Martha, I guess she wasn't sent, I don't think, after this thing, but she kind of happened upon it, and she charmed this creature by singing hymns and, and praying, and she led it back into the town of um, Nerluk, like Pied Piper style. And the townspeople killed it because it wasn't resisting. Huh. Like, did I wonder if she meant for that to be the thing? Like, hey guys, look what I did. I have charmed this thing. It's no longer murdering people. You have a chance to kill it. I mean, maybe. I really or don't know. did they just see that and be like, oh, we need to kill that fucking thing. I mean, it was it was it was terrorizing the uh, the landscape. So, I mean, I don't really blame them for killing it. Yeah, me either. Not well, after that, especially um, when they have a chance like that. Exactly. Well, apparently they blame themselves because after they did it, they felt remorseful for some reason. So they renamed the town Tarascon after the creature. Uh, and also, I guess they weren't Christian, and then Saint Martha converted them to Christianity. Yeah, that's Not, usually how those uh, yeah, stories go. Yeah, that's how go. that works. Like. Oh, hey, look at this monster that I charmed. Follow my religion. Exactly. I performed this mighty deed, saved you, now convert to my religion. Yeah, exactly. Um, So now the Tarask is featured on the town's coat of arms, and they have a festival to it every year. That's really cool. I guess it didn't used to be every year, but nowadays it's every year, which is pretty nice. And it falls on the, uh, usually falls on the day of St. Martha. So that's nice. That's nice. That is nice. That's... Strange, though, like, this thing terrorized the landscape, you tried to kill it, you couldn't, someone charmed it, brought it to you, then you killed it, then you felt remorseful, you renamed your town, you put it on your coat of arms, now you have a day for it. (laughs) Yeah. Why not? We just went, like, full circle of, like, emotion there, I don't even... (laughs) I don't understand it either, but it's pretty cool. Alright. Like, oh, yeah, my town's coat of arms is a dragon ox turtle with a scorpion tail. And bare feet. You know what? That's cooler than my town's coat of arms. Yeah. I don't even know what it is, but yeah. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> oh, okay. So 
That is the legend of the Tarasque. So when we move into how this translates into the Tarascan D&D. Yes. So the Tarascan D&D bears somewhat of a physical resemblance to the creature of the legend. Right. But it's, I would say it's sort of simplified in its visual design. It still has the same, like, hulking. Like, it has, like, a, I would say, like, a quadrupedal-like physique, but it can yeah. stand on its hind legs. This no is what cool. happens when you get uh, one or two people to revise the design that, you know, a whole town created together. Exactly. <laughs> it so, was too clunky with everyone. It was too, many too cooks clunky in the kitchen. with the, yeah, with the, this guy said it had bare legs and six of them. And this guy said it had a scorpion tail. And this woman said it had a turtle shell. And they were like, we got to bring it back. We got to bring it back. This one could have swore it had the ox of, or the body of an <laughs> the ox. ox of a body. The ox of a body. The ox of a body. Of a body. <laughs> and it... And then, you know, they had to bring it back in. So it has four legs now instead of six. Okay. okay. Um, I would say overall it looks more reptilian. Like in the legend, it had the lion head. But I would say it's more kind of like what you would consider a traditional dragon head. Okay. It's got two horns and it has very small eyes that it actually doesn't need. Oh, so they're vestigial? Uh, it, they, it uses them to see. Does it have tremor sense? I believe it has blind sense. Blind sense. If I am correct. Yeah, so it it doesn't need them. It uses them, but if it is blinded through traditional means, like if you were to cut out its eyes, it, it would not affect be affected. It. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, great. <laughs> Yay. I mean, not the imagery of someone like cutting <clears throat> this thing's eyes out, but still awesome that even if you like threw sand in its eyes, it would still be able to see you. Mm-hmm. So, nice try with your pocket sand. I was going to make a pocket sand joke. You stole it from me. I'm sorry. So, the the turtle shell concept, I would say it still kind of has. It has a little bit of, like, a spiky hard carapace, but I would say it looks right. it looks less delineated than some of the, the pictures in, like, of portrayals of the legendary creature did. Okay, yeah. And it is about 50 feet tall. Oh, no. I am assuming that that is on all fours. So if it were to rear up, it'd probably be like 100 feet tall. It would tall. be very tall. And it is wow, 70 feet long. What the fuck? And it has a normal tail. It doesn't have a scorpion tail. Oh, yeah. that was my favorite part. So it's 70 feet long. Yes. Oh my god. It is gargantuan. Also, curiously... Every iteration of the Tarrasque in Dungeons and Dragons is spelled with two R's. So it's T-A-R-R-A-S-Q-U. That's interesting. This kills me. Uh, so quick question. If I were to get a mini of this creature, where would I be able to fit it in our room? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe on that one shelf that has nothing on it. <laughs> you would get a Maybe. new. This is my special Tarrasque shelf. Yes. You would, like need a, you would need a new shelf for it. Um, oh no, an excuse to buy a new shelf. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. And it usually, um, the coloring kind of changes over editions. Curiously, the size never changes. There's never any variations. Always 50 feet tall, 70 feet long. That's really interesting. Yeah. Which is interesting because earlier editions actually portray it on its hind legs more, Hmm. like standing up more. So I don't know. But curiously, that never changes. It is always five by seven. It's usually the (laughs) most current iteration of it is kind of like a sandy yellow, but in fourth edition, it was kind of grayish, bluish. Okay. And then in other earlier editions, the pictures were black and white, so I couldn't tell. That kind of reminds me of a going from uh, like a turtle to a tortoise. 
Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay, well, and 4th edition, from what we found out, did kind of take a little bit more darker-ish turn from all the other editions, so its change in color could just had to do with that. Yeah, because in, in 3.5, it was that sandy, orangey-yellow. The 4th hmm. the edition, Tarask, is just really edgy. Yes. <laughs> it's edge. He's going through his emo phase. <laughs> We've all been there. Moment of silence for everyone who's been there. Or is there right still now? still in it. <laughs> it has there never, right? never come left. out. <laughs> just stayed there. I mean, not shaming. Just saying. Just, just saying. saying. It's a fact of life. It's a thing that happens. So what we're going to do today with this guy, just oh. to mix it up, is we're actually going to go backwards. So we're going to start with the 5th edition iteration of the Tarrasque. So in 5th edition, it has an armor class of 25. Holy shit. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty big, yeah. Yeah, that's up there. 33 D20 plus 330 hit points. Yeah, 33 D20s. I read that right. Plus? Plus 330. I read that right. 33 D20s. Yes. Okay, hold on. I mean, keep going. Are you guys going to go roll? Keep going. 33 times 20 plus how much? 330. Uh, So a total of a maximum 990 health? Yeah. Are these things Uh, meant to be beaten? Yeah, and perhaps not. And and it's it's still it's still only in triple digits, you know. That's tr- that's true. We haven't quite gotten into the thousands yet. <sighs> we will. Oh, um, it is immune to fire, poison, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical attacks, as well as the statuses charmed, frightened, paralyzed, and poisoned. Which curiously, it actually boasts this resistance to like charmed and frightened throughout all editions. Because it is literally so stupid. Uh, it, so. Is, it is too stupid to be charmed or afraid of anything. I also think it's too big to be afraid of anything, but... So I will say that the resistances to like the non-magical weapons, that more or less makes sense. That's kind of common mm-hmm. for some like higher level creatures. And most of the time, if you're if fighting a higher level creature, you're going to have a magical weapon of some sort. Exactly. Most of the time, unless your DM is just trying to kill just you. Just hates you. Or you turned on fucking hard mode. You didn't You didn't bring snacks to the session. Oh, no. So you get the Tarrasque. Um, so I, I think you're a liar. I don't think the, this thing is meant to be beaten. Maybe. Um, it has some other good old things that a lot of more powerful encounters have. Um, it has legendary resistance. You know, yeah, magic resistance, which yeah. I mean, I know you guys know, but for those uninformed, that means it has advantage on all saving throws against magic. Mm. And legendary resistance means that if it fails a saving throw three times a day, it can instead choose to succeed. So basically, this thing is not failing your saving throw. <clears throat> and if you think, okay, I'm not going to provoke a saving throw against this thing, it also has a reflective carapace, which means that any line spell... Magic Missile, or Attack Roll spell, has a 5 out of 6 chance to bounce off harmlessly, and a 1 out of 6 chance to bounce back to the caster. Oh my. What the hell? So this thing is virtually immune to magic. So even if you say, okay, well, I have my trusty Magic Missile that I've had since level 1. Nope. No, you don't. No. No. Because it's either going to bounce off. And not affect it. And not affect it, or it's going to bounce off and hurt you. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Um, good job to whoever created this in the first place. The French. Each turn, it can, at the start of its turn, use its ability Frightful Presence, 
which mm. each creature within 120 feet must succeed on a DC 17 wisdom save or become frightened. And then after you pass it once, you can't be affected by it again for another 24 hours. That's which is good. reasonable. Yeah. Just hope that you pass it the first time. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can continue to make it also. Yeah, though a DC 17... It's pretty up there. It's, it's, it's up, up there for, for, for a wisdom 5e. save. Yeah, it's up there, but it's doable. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, most of the time, someone would just have to roll really probably well. a twelve or thirteen, depending on what your wisdom is. I've never played a character with good wisdom, so I would need more than that. <laughs> um, I have never played a good a character with good wisdom, and I don't intend to start now. <laughs> You've oh, never wait. played a good character. Nope. Sorry, scratch that. My mind was still thinking in Pathfinder. Nope. Wisdom's a the modifiers and everything are while the same with the amount you get, it's just different on how it's accumulated in yeah. 5e. Yeah. So never mind. <laughs> it's bigger. It's bigger. It's bigger. So after using its frightful presence, which it can use every turn, it can then take five attacks, two claw attacks, two bite attacks, and one like tail slap attack. It can, every turn, huh? Every turn. Frightful presence plus five attacks. And it can grapple with its bite. And then if it succeeds on the grapple and then succeeds on a subsequent biting attack, it will swallow the target. Oh. Yep. That's what I thought you were going with that. Okay. Yep. Which incurs, uh, I believe I don't have this handy. Oh, wait, actually I do. The, uh... <laughs> and it sounded like you were just like, oh, I don't have it. Oh, wait, actually no, I do. I didn't, I didn't think I did. <laughs> Um, but after being swallowed, the target will take 56 acid damage at the start of the Tarask's oh turn. Oh my god. 56 uh, acid damage. 56. Is there a way to make it spit you back up? If it takes 60 damage or more on a single turn from the creature inside of it, it must succeed on a DC 20 constitution saving throw or regurgitate all swallowed creatures. And so, if it if it dies... More on that later. You are no longer restrained within its digestive tract, and you can cut your way out. Or you can uh, exit the corpse. So you have to do 60 damage to it in one round, and hope that it makes a very bad constitution roll. Or kill it before, or make sure that it dies before it kills you. And it has a plus 10 to constitution. Yeah, I was going to say, the fact that it has a plus... Whatever that was, 333 or something with its health. I knew his constitution had to be fairly high. A plus 10? Yes. So you have, the DM would have to roll a 9 or less. Yes. Yes, essentially. Jesus. Yeah. So that's the, uh, that's the Taraskan 5e. You know, don't want to encounter that. Um, no. Quick question. What is the challenge rating for a Taraskan? I almost said four, 40 feet. 40, 40 feet, feet is the challenge rating. 30. 30. Oh. Oh. Is that like in game This is territory? like an in-game territory, oh, yeah. By, by the way, it does have a speed of 40 feet, in case you were curious. Which, for something that big, is... Slow? Yeah, I figured it would have like 80 feet movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of got that hulking, you know, I would imagine very... Not shambling. Shambling's not the word I'm looking for. Kind of like a T-Rex. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that, that makes sense. Just kind of... Generally move kind of... Slow and, but I would also yeah. imagine that considering yeah. the the space it occupies, like that's mm. not that's not the same as forty feet movement for like a human kind of. Yeah, for a human that would probably be like two hundred freaking feet. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so five e they're a little bit ridiculous. 
Yep. So we're gonna we're gonna back up to fourth edition. All right. Um, which again, admittedly, I do not know a lot about fourth edition because I have never played fourth edition. Um, so I am assuming that with some of the numbers I'm about to like read off, that if I remember correctly, some people have said that the numbers in fourth edition are a little bit artificially inflated. I do recall hearing that. Yes. Or that they're just like bigger. So like you could you could say that like oh this monster has a million HP. But when your characters are dealing, like, could potentially be dealing thousands of points of damage. It, it's not... It scales a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So the Tarask in 4th edition has 1,420 hit points, which is one 1,000 away from a really good number, <laughs> regretfully. <laughs> Though I do believe the scaling is higher, like, so... I, the scaling pro- is probably higher, but that still just seems We're like so ridiculous. much. We did get into quadruple digits. I said yep. we would, and then we did. Um, it carries its its same resistance to charm and fear, and it has a ten resistance to all damage. Which, I, if that works the same in fourth edition, then that just means that the first ten points of damage are negated. Just don't matter. Its attacks ignore all resistances. Yeah. Nice. Oh, great. And in place of its frightful presence, it has an earthbinding aura, mm-hmm. which reduces the fly speed to one. And the max altitude to 20 feet of all flying creatures within 40 feet of it. By the way, it has a 20-foot reach. Oh. It, it reduces the fly speed to one? One. Okay. So you're not, you cannot, you can't fly away from this thing. Nope. No. You know, it's got, it's got more HP. You know, it's got the earthbinding aura, which you could debatably say could be more or less useful than Frightful Presence. Because that really only inhibits flying creatures. Right. But still, but you're, you're not flying away from this thing. I mean, helpful for anyone that has, like, a brim of flying or a flying mount that they would be using to try to, like, get away from it to just, like, bombard it with fireballs or something. But if your wizard just wants to fly out of there, you're screwed. Your wizard cannot fly out of there. Yeah, the wizard is gonna get snatched and eaten. No. (laughs) Yes. Delicious wizards. Um, Mm, Wizardry. (laughs) (laughs) Delicious. So the way that the, this thing kind of functions is it takes fewer attacks than the one in 5th edition does. Oh, thank God. But while it is not bloodied, it basically it can use this ability called Fury of the Tarrasque, which has one of two effects, depending on which it chooses to use. One of which, if it hits, the target takes a negative 5 penalty to their AC. Oh, no. Until the end of the Tarrasque's next turn. So it will hit you again. Yeah, that that could be devastating. And then the other one will push the target away by four squares and knock them over. Which, four squares would still be within the creature's reach. So if you were to try to stand up, it would still get an attack of opportunity. I'm trying to figure out which one would be better, but I guess it's all just situational. Yeah. yeah. And it's all just bad. And it's all just bad. Yeah, no, you're right. They can also trample... So, that's not good. So it it will rush into, like, rush ahead into occupied spaces, and if it enters the space of an enemy, it will make an attack that has a plus 33, and if it succeeds, the target will be knocked prone, as well as taking damage. So it's like, like, occupied square, whatever, this thing don't care. And, you know, as long as you don't roll a one, you're probably gonna hit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) With a a plus 33. 
33. Oh, my God. Yeah, no. And then while it is bloodied, which it becomes bloodied at 710 hit points, by the way. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> There's so many. It can use an ability called Frenzy, but it can no longer use Fury of the Tarrasque. So it basically has a, it's like a video game monster where sometimes after they hit a certain HP threshold, they start using a new ability. And stop using the old one. It has phases. Exactly. It has phases. The phases of the Tarrasque. And this sounds like it has a rage, basically. Yes. I'm not surprised. Yeah. It makes an attack, like a bite attack, with what's called Close Burst 3. Which I believe just means, like, maybe it would hit three squares of area, I think. Close burst three. Yeah. Hmm. That's what that sounds like. I'm, uh... He's gonna look I'm that gonna up look this up He's gonna look curious. that up. But I think it's it's also meant to convey that when using this attack, it can make an attack against multiple creatures within the burst, whereas you normally wouldn't think of a bite attack functioning that way. Right. Like You would think you bite one thing, it's a one and done. But it can make a bite attack against each creature within the burst. Well then, I hate this creature. Just for the record. <laughs> I love this creature. He's beautiful. Okay. So this says a close burst attack is centered on the user and extends in all directions by the number denoted in the range. So, so if you're basically within 15 feet of this creature, this it means that it will affect all targets inside a seven by seven size box, 49 squares total. Great. They actually had an example. So, oh, that's very nice. That's very helpful. And extends three... It, okay, so it would extend three squares... Out from it. ...in every direction. <laughs> and it can make a bite attack against every creature within that. Holy shit. Oh my... Yes. Ah. It just, ah. like, opens its mouth and basically just spins in a It circle. reminds me of one of those... Uh, have you uh, seen videos of goblin sharks eating where they oh unhinge their jaw yes. and launch it outward and oh. then suck it back in? Yeah, because they have like two sets of like jaws. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, I one could... jaw comes out and then the other one shoots forward. That's what I'm imagining. Oh, I could totally actually. It doesn't necessarily look like its jaw structure would be set up that way, but I could see it. To be fair, goblin sharks don't look, they don't like look that, that way either. either. That's true. Until their jaw unhinges and open. Oh my god, you guys. I just we just made it worse. The Tarasque, but with a goblin sh- goblin? A, a goblin. A goblin shark. You didn't mouth. even say goblin. You said goblin. A goblin. I said goblin. It's like, this is like gargling. The goblin. With the goblin sharks uh just gargling jaw. around. <laughs> the goblin shark's jaw. I love it. Oh um, my god, that's frightening. So I actually saw some not not complaints, but basically people exposing design flaws that you could take advantage of to kill this thing. So, so it actually like had an update. Game strats. The hot strats. The hot Tarask strats. So then they released a bug fix, basically? They patched it, yeah. They patched it. They buffed it. Oh my god. Um, and this, this uh, debuted in Dragon Magazine issue 418, which also detailed the history, like where the Tarasque came from, and in the same issue buffed it by giving immunities to all types of debilitating stun type effects, because basically one thing was just like, oh, you can just stun it, or you can just daze it. And then they released this magazine that was like, actually, you can't. So they would stun lock it, but then they were like, oh yeah, hey, you can't do that now. Yeah. Oof. So they uh, 
also gave it an extra attack, but they did take away some of its HP. Oh, that's good. So it was a... You, a, you say some. What did it go down to? Like, I, I believe 1,100? Like, like 900. Okay. Not bad. I believe. Especially if 4th edition does have like those ridiculously inflated numbers, then eventually you're going to whittle it down. Yeah, so they uh, they released a quote-unquote balancing patch. <laughs> <laughs> Is it balanced if it's 4th edition? No. <laughs> we might be totally wrong on 4th edition, but from what I've seen, 4th edition is not balanced. It's just wrong. <laughs> Welcome to our, our weekly special on hating on 4th edition. So, also, this was the first piece of really concrete backstory was revealed in this magazine. Okay. It was like one of their one of the two official magazines that was released for D&D, I think. Yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. But this was the uh, first piece of actual concrete lore for the Tarasque's origins. In previous editions, it was one of those shrouded in mystery things. So I think now would be a good time to take an ad break. And then when we come back, I will tell you exactly how this thing came to be. Okay. Terrible, terrible monster. On our ad break, and I'm going to hate myself for this, I'm going to go look at videos of goblin sharks eating. (laughs) Good. Good. Good, good. That's a good way to spend your time. Hey, everybody, here to just plug some stuff real quick. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Tarask. Uh, I've had a lot of fun with it so far. I was really looking forward to talking about this guy. But you can follow us on Twitter at Dungeonpedia. We post updates on when our episodes go up and just some memes, memes, dank memes, teasers, teasers, fun little, just fun little things about Dungeons and Dragons. And now we have an Instagram. Earlier this week, we started our Instagram at the same handle, Dungeonpedia, where we post teasers for our episodes. Also, snippets um, behind the scenes when we record, which is mostly just stupid boomerangs of me rolling my dice (laughs) because I have way too many dice. And that's how I entertain myself. When I'm here and not talking. Because apparently we're not entertaining enough for her. No. Uh, I mean, you guys are pretty entertaining, but like, look at, look at this. It is beautiful. It is a beautiful beautiful. dice. Um, If you use Tumblr, we do have one at dungeonpedia.tumblr.com. Go there. We do post our updates when our episodes go live there as well. Lewin is working on transcripts that we will post there whenever they get done. Uh, We do also have our email that you can send suggestions to because we need suggestions. There are, there's lots of lore in D and D and a lot of things that we just don't think about or probably don't even really know about. We just find something. We're like, Hey, that sounds interesting. But if you have anything, email us at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. Remember to rate and review us on any kind of avenue that you can take for that. So iTunes is a big one. People check iTunes for that kind of thing. Subscribe to us. That is the fastest way to know when we post new episodes because it'll just pop right up in your app of choice. Please tell your friends. Help us spread the word. We have already grown so much more than I thought we would at this point, but anything helps. Yes, it is amazing to see how much we've grown in the little bit of time that we have. This marks our eighth episode. Uh, yes. Tarask is our eighth episode, and... Yes. It's gone way better than I was thinking, honestly. Thank you so much. Yes, I am very happy about that. Um, thank you to Alexander Nakarada for the theme song that we use for the intro and outro called Blacksmith. Still enjoy it every time I hear it. 
our outro music. Yes, yes. our outro music, as Lewin wonderfully put it last episode. <laughs> Good job. I didn't realize you put that in until I actually listened back to it to to finalize the edits on the transcript. And I heard that at the end, and I was like, <sighs> it's in there forever. I knew you were going to leave it in eventually, but not so soon. And you better put that in the transcript, too. Ooh. No, it's in there. Uh, nice. All right. Thank you once again for listening. And without further ado, back to the episode. <laughs> oh my god, the timing on that was too perfect. The timing as was so perfect. As soon as I hit the recording, our cat meowed outside the oh door. Oh my god, she's uh. so sad. Okay, Lewin, you uh, you had some more information for us. Please continue. Uh, yes, you may be wondering where a, a creature so foul originated from, and it's not in in Turkey in this one. Oh, there's not a fantasy turkey? I'm sure there is, but it's not real turkey this time. Okay. I don't know if either of you are familiar with these people, but the Tarask was created by the Primordials. Yes, I am a little bit. Uh, yeah, I have heard and read a little bit about Primordials. If you, if, though, if you have a uh, little yeah, for, snippet. Yeah, for those at, those at home, the Primordials were godlike creatures made of pure entropic and elemental energy, and they had their domain in Aber of Aber Toril, whereas the gods that you think about had their domain in Toril. Oh, right. They had the uh, their uh, yeah separate planet kind of thing. Separate planets that were kind of mushed together for a while. It was yeah, crazy. yeah. Uh, we went over that slightly in one episode, didn't we? Mm, a little we, bit. We briefly mentioned it. Yeah, we touched on it. Maybe we'll do a full episode on it one day. So, the Primordials warred over Abertoral with the gods, and though they were eventually defeated, they created the Tarask as a way to spite the gods. Nice. Okay. Yeah, because the, <laughs> the Tarask's only goal is mass destruction. Ah. And it is inexorably tied to the Prime Material Plane. I mean, that makes sense, I guess, given it how big and strong and Fucking ridiculous they are. So let me have a There's guess. one, by the way. Oh. They created one. There is a singular Tarask. Oh. Let me have a guess at what that means it being tied to the prime material plane. Mm-hmm. If it gets ban- if it gets moved to another plane, it'll just pop right back in the prime material plane. Uh I don't no. Actually okay. that is not that is not. But uh, banishment does put it in the prime material plane? No. Oh. It just probably can't be banished. It cannot die. Oh. What? Wait. Then how do you kill it? <laughs> if it can't die, how does it die? Um, that, that changes over editions. In 4th edition, you can only kill it. Well, you can only figure out how to kill it with a, like, DC 30 Arcana check. And you can only kill it if you were to somehow transport it to another plane and then kill it there. If okay. It, if it is reduced to zero hit points in the prime material plane... It sinks back into the earth, where it sleeps and regenerates. So. What the hell? Okay. So, it can die in other kind of ways. In earlier editions, it's a little different. But by and large, this creature does not die. Okay. That would take, like, a lot of thought process and materials to transport this thing and you to another plane just to kill it. You mentioned an arcana check? Yeah, basically, in in 4th edition, you can make an Arcana check, and depending on the DC, you gain information just about, you know, where this thing would possibly have come from. 
And what could be potential insight into killing it. Like, I would make the case that this this is a very physical monster. It doesn't use magic, mm-hmm. but it obviously has very magical origins, which is why I'm guessing it's an arcana check instead of, like, nature or something. Right. Now that we know a little bit about where it came from, I'm going to move into what I consider to be the most frightening incarnation of this creature. Uh, I mean... You're telling me that this has not already been a frightening incarnation? Like the most. It's already been pretty bad. Uh, but um, oh my. In my opinion, it is at its worst in 3.5. Okay. Oh, so okay. So in 3.5, it has less HP than in fourth edition, which it averages at about 858, which is perfectly reasonable. It's not. Right. I mean it's still a lot, but it's not nine hundred and or fourteen hundred. Yeah, but it it also has it has more attacks. It has a ton of feats and even more special resistances. Cool. Um, I know three point five has slightly more inflated numbers, right? But it has an AC of thirty five. It has a full round action where it can take six attacks. It regenerates forty hit points at the start of every turn. Holy oh shit! Well, that's the terrifying part. There. It has the same sort of frightful presence from fifth edition, but with a save of thirty five. Oh, wait, even with the inflated numbers, that seems ridiculous. No, that's high. That's ridiculously high. I don't think I've ever rolled a 35 in my life. It has the same ability to swallow when it bites. It has the reflective carapace that does that cool one out of six, your own spell damages you thing. And it also has a host of feats that make it really dangerous, including, oh, I forget what the specific feat is called, but it's like advanced cleave or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. So this thing can cleave. Like um, extra cleave, advanced cleave. I don't super, uh, I, super cleave. I don't super know. Cleave. I think it is uh, advanced it right cleave. At least it is in Pathfinder. Great cleave. Great, great cleave. Great cleave. So not only does this thing have six attacks, but it can cleave. So it could like hit two people and with then one attack, just like cleave, and then just and keep going. I'm imagining like like a like kind of like batting with its with its claws, and it just rakes across like three party right, members. just one after the other. Just wow. It okay. also, uh, I know this is one of your favorite things that about about Taylor is her character's extended crit range, which <laughs> this thing has an extended crit range of eighteen to twenty, and its crits triple its damage. Jesus Christ. I thought you were going to just talk about my extended crit range, like me personally, <laughs> as gonna, a person. We're going to take a sidebar to talk about Taylor's extended crit range. Mm-hmm. It's like 15 to 20? <laughs> yeah. 14 to 20? I'm pretty OP. It's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> Taylor 2 OP, please nerf. <laughs> so I, I, this is just, this is, this creature is insane in this edition, I feel like. And I think part of it is that my I have like more knowledge of how things work in 3.5 right from so playing kind of Pathfinder which is based on 3.5 yeah so I think that maybe in other editions things might be more impressive to other people but just you know how I understand it you know it translates well for me and what I also think is interesting about this is the way that its regeneration works not only makes it like really fearsome in kayfabe because like 40 hp at the start of every turn is crazy that's a lot of hit points i don't think i've ever dealt 40 damage in my life i have in one round but it's still but like, that involved you critting it, like two out of the three times that you swung i was critting and to, that was not in like one attack to combat that and have to like actually do a decent amount of damage for it to matter 
you would have to deal a hundred damage to this thing every round every across round. like every party member. And also the regeneration translates into like why it doesn't die, and it also cannot have its limbs amputated. Oh, Jesus amputated. Christ. Amputated is probably different to say severed. Than severed, severed, but you know. Yeah, I mean, it also probably can't I be mean, amputated. I would say, to be fair, like, if someone was going to try to surgically amputate this thing, I mean, it probably wouldn't work. No, I'm sure it wouldn't. They'd have to get, they'd have to get in a situation where they could amputate it first. All right. So all, all of this stuff that it's got going on, just, it's absolutely, it's absolutely insane. And on top of that, I'm not sure if the method with which you kill a tar, uh, tar, ugh, I almost pronounced that wrong, Tarask in 3.5 is better or worse than maybe in 4th edition. The way you're supposed to kill it in this edition is that you are to bring it to negative 10 from its full hit points mm-hmm. and use a wish oh. for it to stay dead. That's actually worse, yeah, I feel. Yeah, because wishes aren't quite... No, That's I mean, true. they're a high-level, like, spell, but... Yeah. Which I guess if you're fighting... You're probably... That's her ask, you're probably up there, level. but still. Though, to be fair, your spellcaster would probably have all their spell slots left, so... That's true, because <laughs> they the... Would have, they would have fuck all to do because of that reflective carapace. Well, I mean, I'm just gonna... I guess I'll just stand here with my thumb up my ass until uh, until they get whittled <laughs> down to negative ten. Just every time the spellcaster's turn comes around, you're doing good, guys. I believe in you. You guys are the best. Your spellcaster just becomes your moral support. I'm just gonna, like, sit back here and watch you guys. You're yeah, doing great, honey. I'm, I'm good. Sorcerer who's like, I didn't learn any buff spells. I didn't learn any healing spells. I set things on fire. It's what I do. Hey, do you need to become invisible? I can still do that. <laughs> You're doing amazing, sweetie. Well, they're like their their paladin or whatever just got like swallowed whole. They're right. hold, holding all the healing potions and just throwing them at the party when they need them. They're the water boy. They're oh they're arguing. God. They're arguing with the DM that like I don't think it should be a full round action to force feed someone a potion. Um, excuse me. If the only thing I can do is heal, I'm gonna do my best. Says the the warlock. <laughs> I literally cannot do anything else. Please just let me heal them. But, uh, I oh feel no. so bad for this party. <laughs> I feel bad for any hypothetical party that would encounter this thing. But if you don't reduce it, if you don't reduce it to negative ten and use a wish on it, it'll simply sink into the earth and regenerate from whatever is left of its corpse, including like it does that starfish thing. Where if, like, there was not much of it left, it would just grow back from that. Oh, wow. Yeah. What? So somehow, trusks are now starfish. Yes. This is... Can you imagine fighting one of these fucking things, though? No. No. I would like to not. You must have really pissed off your DM if if they put you up against this fucking thing. (laughs) Yeah, you made your DM really angry. So I don't exactly have as much to talk about from 2nd and 1st edition because the stats of the Tarask in these versions are pretty similar. Mm-hmm. And I will admit that I'm I'm hindered a little bit by my lack of knowledge of these editions. Right. Um, but as far as I understand, the numbers are a little bit smaller 
Okay, yeah, that's been my understanding for the most part. Yeah, yeah. the numbers are smaller because you didn't have, like, as high of levels in the first and second edition. Yeah, they're also smaller, and they sometimes get so small they get into the negatives, but that's another thing. Um, Is that so, Thacko? That's Thacko. That's Thacko. Okay. So the Tarask oh. in second edition has a max HP of 300. Okay, that so. feels reasonable, but See, knowing... That- uh, yeah. yeah. Even been, for first and second edition, 300, that's a lot. I've been Stockholmed by the other numbers of the Tarask, so I see 300, and I'm like, that's reasonable. That's not bad. That's until, until you look and see how much damage that those party members are going to be and dealing. And also, like, if I, I would not want to actually fight a monster that had 300 hit points. But, like, just from my research, I see 300, I'm like, yeah, that's fair. Um, So it takes six attacks, still. It's doing that. And an, a note about the Tarascan second and first edition is that on a natural 18 or higher, it will sever the limb of the target. Oh, my God. So. I'm sorry. Yeah. What? So on a natural 18 or higher, it will sever the limb of whatever it's attacking. A, the, the limb? A limb. So. The limb. So three, three out of 20 dice rolls will sever the limb of the target. When it takes six attacks every turn. What the hell? Why? <laughs> Why? So in three in three rounds, that has statistically probably has already happened. Hey, second edition what writers. Why? Like that that to me is crazy because that just doesn't that doesn't just affect like how your character might perform in kayfabe. That's like a whole thing. Your character lost their arm. That, That's a whole thing. Yeah, that affects Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a three out of 20 chance. A uh, hundred ways you can tell that your DM hates you. Yes. Did you get your arm severed and then your foot? But did you die? Your DM still hates you. But did you die? Did you die, though? I mean, I think I probably would want to after that. Probably. And just because of that fight. Yeah. This PTSD, man. <laughs> hmm Anytime you see... Uh, Turtle or a lion <laughs> or a scorpion or a dragon or, or a, a dragon. You just die. You, you have to succeed on your wisdom save. Then it's a bad time to live in Dungeons and Dragons if you're scared of dragons. I personally am more afraid of dungeons, but you know, teach their own. It's still, and I feel so bad because these are cr- these are crazy attributes that this creature has, and I'm going through them like they're bullet points. Still has its reflective carapace with the same old one in six chance of. Harming the caster. Um, in this edition, it is immune to psionic powers again. Oh my god. Because it is literally so fucking stupid. It is too stupid to be affected by powers of the mind. So it's immune to psionics. It's only affected by magic weapons. And in this edition, you have to take it down to negative 30 hit points and then use a wish. Oh my god. Um, Though I guess to be fair, once it goes into the negatives, you can just kind of keep. You just keep whacking at it because I'm pretty sure they go unconscious. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, so you just keep whacking at it and hope that, like, even you just you keep track of when it goes unconscious, and then you just keep paying attention to how much damage you're doing and hope that you made it. Quick sidebar: you said the word unconscious. I didn't mention this because I don't exactly know how this translates, but in fourth edition. It can't become unconscious. I don't know if that means you reduce it to zero hit points and it just keeps going, or if it just... No, that's what that means. As far as I'm aware, it... Okay, you've got it reduced to zero hit points. Cool. Does it pass out? Nope, it still fights. Because in that in that monster, in the uh, Dragon Magazine buff patch that it got, 
They uh, said it's immune to dazed, unconscious, all that kind of stuff. So it can't be knocked unconscious in fourth edition. So that's well, I guess that might be depending on the word in there. Because if it says it's immune to unconscious, it might just be immune to spell effects that make it unconscious. Yeah, that was what I thought. Okay, so it might still fall unconscious. Maybe. Maybe. As Maybe. we know, it is possible to uh, for creatures and characters to fight while they're reduced below zero because of certain the, effects that require the, that don't require them to fall unconscious. Right. Mm-hmm. So for those of you to which this means anything, it has an AC of negative three, but... Fucking Thacko system. Fucking Thacko. Which, actually, I did a little bit of research on for this... And interestingly enough, a fighter that would be at levels to be fighting a Tarrasque mm-hmm. would have a Thacko of 11, which means that they would only have to roll a 14 to hit the Tarrasque. Because you add, if it's negative, you add it to what is required to be rolled. <laughs> so essentially a fighter would only have to roll a 14, which is not very high. That's still just... I don't know. The Thacko system, I understand that people like love that system and everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people will still play it. It's difficult for me to wrap my head around. Exactly. And I, like, in, in reading about it, I kind of understand a little bit. However, there is one thing about this that I don't understand, which is an end note, literally like the last thing that they put in the description for the encounter with this creature. It says, and I quote, creatures with a minus Thacko can only be hit by a one. I did not manage to find, like, I looked up discussion discussions about this thing in second edition, and nobody seems to understand what they meant by that. If you know, please tweet us. Please. Because I saw a lot of people who know second edition combat have said that they or their DM completely disregarded this note because they had no idea what it meant. I've seen some people guess that that means that characters under a certain level of development would need to crit to hit it. Or some people have said that it might mean the, the exact opposite, that the Tarrasque itself would have to crit fail to miss characters under a certain developmental level. I have no idea what that means. And also, no other creature has any note that's like that. That's bizarre. That does not make any sense. And I, I as a DM, would probably ignore it, too, because of that reason. It, yeah, it wouldn't be the first time you ignored a rule that just didn't make sense. Yeah, because it's like, this doesn't make sense. Why would this be a thing? I mean, I know that FACO is supposed to be two-hit AC zero, but I don't know much past that. I know that the negative, the higher the negative number, the better your AC is. Yeah. But... Fucking, I don't know. I, I don't either. Like, I'm at a loss for that one. And I and I have no idea how the attributes, like other attributes of the character might affect that. Like, you might have a, you could have a weapon or something that reduces your Thacko. And I have no idea how that could even Correlate. incorporate into this. But negative three is pretty good. Negative three is pretty good. I guess at some point I'm going to have to sit down and try to research and understand Thacko and then I can come back on the podcast here and explain it to you guys and everybody else. And then hopefully people don't yell at us for being like, well, if you're going to talk about it, you should know about it. Stay tuned for our Thacko episode. <laughs> we might just have to do a like old rule sets episode, really. Yeah. Although Thacko might be a whole episode, Thacko actually. Thacko might be a whole episode. A whole episode? A whole episode? <laughs> a whole episode. A, a fa- I, I, I don't even... I, don't. I was trying to come up with a fun Back-a-sode. portmanteau, but it didn't happen. I, I don't know. Just continue with your 
With you, I'm, I'm done talking. <laughs> so it seems to be pretty similar in first edition. Six attacks, still resistant to most forms of damage, still can cleave limbs from players. In every edition except for fourth edition, where it had the earthbinding aura, I think as a substitute, it has had its frightening presence. Okay. Um, which, as a, as a note, characters under seven hit dice automatically fail it with no saving throw and run away. And characters under three hit dice automatically fail it and do nothing but stand and stare at it because they are too afraid to move. They're stricken by fear. So So they they literally just stand there and stare at it. I mean, if, if you have fewer than three hit dice and you're going up against this thing, what are you doing? Your GM hates you. I think that at that point, you're just maybe a random animal that got caught Caught in the crossfire of this creature. You're the brand. You were the brand new uh, companion animal that the ranger got and didn't level up enough before they brought to this encounter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, actually, I would imagine that that's how the majority of just like random animals and villagers would react to this thing because of the way it it functions, because of its activity levels. Which is to say that it's only active. For roughly a few weeks at a time, hmm. this varies between editions. In fact, in uh, I believe it's 3.5, you're actually supposed to roll for this to see how long it's active for and then how long subsequently it sleeps for. But the idea is basically that every few months, every few years, this thing wakes up, burrows out of the earth, and goes on a rampage for a few weeks until it's either defeated, which makes it fall asleep, or it just falls asleep and sinks back into the earth and sleeps for a f- few weeks, a few months, a few years. Like an earthquake. You never know when it's coming. Okay, huh. so I could see this as a use for storytelling. Yeah, I was going to say, like, even beyond just encounters, this is really interesting in terms of lore. And it says also specifically that it, it goes on a rampage, but it consumes things. So it also literally eats the earth. Oh, so, like as it burrows, it eats the earth. It almost sounds like it's a weird form of hibernation. Like it wakes up, oh. eats, rampages, eats enough to sustain itself maybe for the next however long it's going to sleep and then just pops back right to back sleep. down. Mm-hmm. And nobody really knows much about it. So they're like, okay, well, I guess it's gone. Good job, everyone. Y- yay. Yay. Also, and then to, it comes back. to note, in kayfabe, it actually is a destructive force of nature because I believe in most editions after 3.5, it has bonuses against structures. Oh. Like, it deals double damage to buildings. So this thing levels entire towns. So Godzilla, but uh, yeah. for fantasy. Yes. It's the D&D Godzilla. Yeah, I do believe that in terms of its its some of its design aspects, there would have been Godzilla influences. I can see it, especially yeah. having looked it up. Like pictures? Yes. Yeah, I could see it. That's pretty interesting. See, and just the everything about this thing. I, I love this thing. Specifically for the opposite reasons that I end up loving a lot of other things in D&D. One thing that I find really fascinating about this thing is that it is unaligned. Completely? It's it has no alignment. Neutral? It's not true neutral. It, it is unaligned. It just has no alignment at all? Because it is literally too stupid. <laughs> it's too stupid to make an alignment. Okay, because you keep saying this thing is this stupid. What the hell is its intelligence? Four. 
Oh, my lord. It, and that, that's literally a note that it has no alignment because it is too unintelligent to ponder good and evil. It was I love a, it. It was a weapon of mass destruction, and that's all it does. It doesn't care about good. It doesn't care about evil. It doesn't care who you are. It's going to eat your town. The primordials. <laughs> you have... Just created a movie tagline for this. Like a vintage. <laughs> Holy shit. I can yes. see the poster. Like the blob. Well, actually, blob. what I think is interesting that you've likened it to that is because when I was reading about the original legend, it said that that may have been influences on things like King Kong, where the giant rampaging creature is bewitched by a woman mm-hmm. and then led back into society and killed. Oh my God. So this is a vintage King Kong movie. It was a vintage King Kong movie. I say vintage King Kong like that's not, but super vintage. Yeah. Well, no. No, no, no. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. We're hanging Hang on. on. I, I'm holding on. I love it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I really had nothing else about that. Just, <laughs> okay, okay. I just you were to, making me nervous. I was about to be like, oh, no. I just wanted to build up the tension. Okay. okay. You, well, you did a good job. Thank good you. Job. Thank you. That's but right. there's just something that's so... That's so uniquely terrifying, I think, about this thing. There really is. like Because, like, chaotic evil lich kings and lawful evil dickhead vampire lords, they're scary for different reasons. But this thing is scary because it's just... It doesn't care. It's just a pure hunk of muscle with no mind. You can't reason with it. You can't appeal to it. You can't offer it things. The only thing it wants is to eat your town. The primordials made this thing, it sounds like literally just, they knew what they were doing. They're like, we want something that's going to just destroy. It's not going to care. It just, it's going to torment and destroy without a thought. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just going to do what we tell it. It's not going to resist. It's not going to learn. It's not going to fight. It's... It's just gonna wake up and and consume. It's horrifying. Destroy, but it's great. And see, I think it feels like a video game super boss. It it kind of does. Like it's the you you fought everything. You've or you've appealed to everything. You've you killed the evil king that was fucking up the kingdom. And now you try to appeal to this and you can't because mm-hmm. it's just a monster. And, and the randomness of its activity, too. I can just see that being like a, I can see that side quest popping up in a video game that's just like, oh, shit, the Tarrasque woke up again. <laughs> and then you have the group that's like, they do all this research and they figure out this thing really has, this thing has no like idea of its own, no mind. So they're like, well, we don't want to kill it. But also, we don't want it to keep killing us, so what do we do? And then they think they killed it, but they didn't. Because, like, oh, oh it dissolved good. back into the earth. We did it, guys. And then, like... Two years later, Two years back. later, it comes back and... That would actually be a really good, like... Character uh, backstory. Character backstory. Or even, like, if you're planning a long-form campaign and you uh, you feel comfortable doing a two-year gap, like, in in your campaign, like... Your characters are doing this, and they progress, and then they fight the Tarrasque, and it sinks back into the earth, and then they're all, yay, we did it, we finished our quest, all right, everyone, let's go about our separate lives, and I'll start a brewery, you go do the blacksmithing, and (laughs) we'll all live happily ever after. Then, two years later... It's back! It's back, and... and the party reunites. Oh, that's delicious. The party reunites, and, like, everybody remembers it. They're like, okay... Guess we're doing this again, except we need to figure out how to kill it for, for real, real this time. 
Which depends. oh my god, tears streaming down my face. This is so epic. And then the, in like the the years gone by, maybe they were dealing with how like their own individual traumas from the situation differently. Yeah, someone was like, I I I can't adventure. I got a wife and a kid now. Oh man! And they're like, you have to. You're our only healer. <laughs> and then they and then they go and find the. Uh, they find the one member of the party that, like, became an alcoholic, and they're, like, picking them up from, like, a bar. Oh, like, man. Is this, like, the D&D A-Team? This is the D&D A-Team. <laughs> I think we're just, we're making a movie here. And that that's the sequel. The sequel to the movie with the tagline that I generated. <laughs> Good oh job. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, I just... I, I don't even remember how I originally, like, found this guy. Yeah, I that was going to be my next question, is how you found this thing. I don't but... even remember. Um, because I've seen the Tarask as a disambiguation in, like, other, like, vid- I say other video games. I'm too caught up in the fantasy of this <laughs> being a video game super boss. But I've seen it as a disambiguation before, but it didn't, I think Click. maybe I saw it on a, uh, like, a list somewhere, and the name stuck out to me because I'd seen it before. And then I looked it up and realized it was an absolute monster in Dungeons and Dragons. Would you say it's an absolute unit? I would say it's an absolute unit. <laughs> I'm getting the disapproving you, glare. You pulled out the data meme this time. I did. Unprovoked. Boo. I liked it. Want. It's true. He well, is an absolute you unit. <laughs> You're like the meme lord here. Of course you liked it. <laughs> You're just mad at Taylor because she's speaking the truth. So... Side note on that real quick. From what I'm seeing so far, it looks like, at least early on, Gary Gygax and the rest of the people that were involved in the creation of the lore and the monsters and stuff for D&D had a lot of pull from, like, mythology mythology and religion and stuff from the real world. I would have never guessed that, honestly. Or at least that it would be more, like, broad stuff across all cultures instead of, like... This one thing from this one specific that, region of yeah. France. <laughs> but that's really freaking cool to because me. Because it's like everywhere's got vampires, pretty uh, much. E- everywhere's got like ghosts and. Everywhere's got their goblinoids. Everywhere's got their fairies. Pretty much everyone has dragons. Yeah. Uh, pretty much everyone has trolls of some sort, giants of some sort. But this is a specific poll from like a specific region of France. Yeah. You know. And then last week with the Rakshasa, that's specific to India. That's specific Hindu that was adopted into Buddhism at a later point, but Yeah, originated in Originated Hindu. straight up in Hindu and was just like a specific thing from Hindu and they were like, I like this concept. Let's turn this into a beast. Also, I think it's sort of interesting because at first I thought that maybe it would be as the theme in one addition that you would defeat a Tarasque in the similar way that um, St. Martha did. Yeah. But I think, even though it's not direct, like, you obviously can't charm it. (laughs) Yeah. But I think it's also interesting that in some editions, you literally need divine intervention to kill it. Feels kind of appropriate, actually. Yes. In in this case, the need for divine intervention does feel appropriate, as opposed to last week where it felt so out of place with the Rakshasa. Yeah. Well... The Rakshasa is not necessarily the divine intervention. But you required it sometimes. You yeah, the just holy had water to, thing. yeah. The, or not holy water. It was <laughs> the just blessing. A, it was just a regular old clerical blessing. Didn't need to be Yeah, water. it was just a clerical blessing. But this one does seem appropriate a, given the origin. Yeah, because Jesus. Or Primordials in, are just like, fuck the gods. Or in, or in fourth edition where it's just like, 
You just can't. You unless just you can't. kill it, unless you take it somewhere else and kill it somewhere else, you can't. You just or the can't. freaking wish. You have to use a wish. Hope you're uh, a spellcasting party. Or hope you're not, because you, if you are a spellcasting party, you hope might you not have get it down that far. A spellcaster. Yeah, I was going to say, you're not going to be able to damage it if you're a full spellcasting party. Do clerics party. know wish? I That sounds like a spell that clerics would learn. Maybe. Okay, Maybe so yes. I guess potentially you're good because clerics can just buff and heal. And then save yeah. their big their big spell slot for the wish. Yeah, they're like the they're the member of the team that's like just there for the one crucial thing at the end. That so they're there for one thing, but that's the all that's the thing that nobody else can do. Exactly. Right. Their inner their intermediate is trying to like make you a little quicker to dodge, heal you yeah. a little bit, maybe smack at some with like a mace or a hammer or a sword. But... The intermediate, yeah, uh, the TST, the Tarask Strike Team. I love it. <sighs> <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, do you have anything else on that? Not really. Just I could I could wax poetic about this just this big beefy creature that's too stupid to have an alignment. I love that. I just yeah, love this guy. It's really great. Like, like I don't I don't have anything else actually useful. The, but the fact that it is big and stupid evokes something in me where I want to hug it, but I also know that it would kill me. You can't. You could hug it from the inside. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Ba- <laughs> I hate. I hate that image, actually. Um, but that's all the, uh, that's any, all the uh, concrete sort of information I have about this guy. God, he's just, oh, I, I say he, it's not even. Well, I mean, yeah. It's probably too stupid to understand that, too. Too stupid to understand genders. Yes. <laughs> yes. Especially in the scenario where there's only one of them. It may yeah. not even have one. Yeah. Just an amorphous blob. Just an amorphous Blob of muscle and teeth. Lion, turtle, scorpion, bear, ox. Lion, turtle, scorpion, bear, ox, bear. Bear is in there twice. (laughs) Bear is in there twice because it has six legs. Don't ask me how that works. It just does. It just works. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, on Tumblr, wherever your heart desires that we are there. Or if, if you want us to be in a different social media, feel free to tell us that, too. Yeah. We're, uh, we're always open if there's interest. Yeah. Yeah. Spread the word to your friends, if you would. We appreciate it so much. Word of mouth and sharing is basically the only way podcasts really grow. We would really appreciate it. And please, God, if someone has a detailed explanation as to how Thacko works, you can email the full thing to us at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. You can also send us comments, concerns, questions, or suggestions. Just, if you're gonna tell us how stupid we are, do it in a nice way. Please. Or not, it's it's whatever. You, I, can, you can be firm, just don't firm. be mean. Yeah, firm, but not mean. And we'll we're, we're totally cool with language, just don't be, don't be hurtful. Don't be yeah, mean. Don't be hurtful. Anyway, thank you again for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. That was very interesting and worth me staying awake. I'm so glad that you guys enjoyed this. I was really excited about it. It was really good. I enjoyed it very much. I did. I had no idea that that something like that would exist. Uh, In any case, I suppose next week, hopefully one of us can match your topic right here on Dungeonpedia. Dungeonpedia.